0: Good morning, I think there's everyone outside and you can hear this, won't you come in? It is so good to be with you, I'm going to open in prayer because I saw none of you prayed for breakfast and uh, <laughs> just heads up, one of our guest speakers is probably about five minutes away, so if we went a bit slow, that's what's going on, so sorry, uh, but she will be running in here and then we're just going to pretend that she was on time, okay, okay there we go, Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Uh, on every life here, on the meal we had and, and the, the networking that's happening by your spirit, I pray, Jesus, that you'll use today not just to inspire, but to bring together people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So these uh, business breakfasts, I, I kind of have three agendas when, when we do these. The first one is that you need inspiration. If you're in South Africa, you consistently need inspiration, and these are some of the most inspiring people you will ever meet. And uh, so I'm really excited about their stories and what you're going to hear them speak about. The second is um, to build trust. And what I think a lot of people tell me that skills is the problem in South Africa, this is the problem. I think the scarcest resource in our country is trust. And uh, what I try to do is draw speakers into our community who come from very diverse backgrounds, because if we can start to build relationships between people from different sides of the city, we can actually build trust, and if we can build trust, I think we can make this economy fly. And so, so that's, that's the second thing. The third is to give you real information. So if you're a South African, what you have a degree in is taking what could be a little bit of a bad situation and, and creating the worst scenario story. It's, it's a requirement of being South African. We make the worst story possible with as limited amount of information as we can find, and, uh, and then we feel safe because then we can plan for how to do life in that story. And uh, what we try to do here is give you real information. So we find people who are in the know, who understand our economy, the challenges and the opportunities, and, and who speak to that. So that's what I'm going to try and achieve. Bonnie will be running in here in a moment. Uh, but we've got Craig Coombe. And before he gets up, Ash, who actually is the brains and all the effort behind this, uh, is going to quickly speak of our, on our business ministry. You've, you've got three minutes. And if she's running later, you've got five. Like, it's up to you. But won't you give him a hand as he comes up here? Hello? Keep helloing. Hello. There we go. we
1: go. Okay, morning, everyone. Um, my name's Ashley. As you know, I'm part of the Business Ministry team. Just before I get kicked off, I'd like to um, give a big thanks to um, Erica and Mish. I can see Erica. Mish, whereabouts are you? Outside. Okay, those are the two ladies who really made today happen. So, all credit to them. So, well done, ladies. <clears throat> And there's some familiar faces, but just for those that haven't been here before, I'd like to chat a little bit about the business ministry. So just what we're looking to do in our vision is really threefold. So if we can get that slide up. Um, So it's basically create disciples and create community and reduce unemployment, which is obviously really important. So just digging into that, you know, we we don't want to just talk about it. We're all about action. So we've got quite a few initiatives taking place. So if we look at the initiatives that we're involved in. So we'll go into the next slide. Um, Number one, um, we've got Grow Groups. That's basically just a a weekly gathering of of like-minded Christians, and we're really just trying to unpack what it looks like to be a Christian and live out our faith in the workplace. Um, So for those of you, for example, who are part of this church, um, we're currently doing one of those courses at the moment, but we'll be starting one in the next quarter. So please have a look out for that and sign up at the desk of the church on Sunday. Um, and then events, obviously today is one of those events, um, and the whole idea is really to create community and all the things that Ross just listed. And we've got a, a new initiative which we're quite excited about called Paradigm Shift. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Paradigm Shift. Um, so Paradigm Shift is a course or curriculum which has been run around South Africa for some time, and the idea behind it really is to help young people or any kind of entrepreneur who's looking to start a business. Um, I really believe that there's huge potential in South Africa for entrepreneurs. Um, So that's basically the A to Z of how to start a business. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is to run these courses, we need resources, and human resources is one of our most important resources. So there's a desk at the back, right? Um, We'll have someone there a little bit later after the talk, Leah. Leah represents Paradigm Shift. Um, The idea behind it is that if you're passionate about business and you've been saying, hey, I want to help and make a difference in South Africa, but I don't really know how, um, sign up for it, because we'll have a sign-up sheet there. We're going to have an introductory evening on the 26th of this month. That's not this coming Wednesday, the following Wednesday. There'll be an introductory evening just chatting about paradigm shift and what it involves and the level of commitments. I know anyone who's from Durban is, is pretty much a commitment phobe straight away. <laughs> so um, come along to the introductory evening, and we'll chat about what the course is all about. But it's quite, it's quite exciting for me. You know, I'm not good at building... Uh, building houses um, you know, and doing that kind of community outreach, but I'm passionate about business. I want to use my skil- skills to make a difference. So if you want to use your skills to make a difference in a really safe environment and it's very structured, um, please give us your name and we'll let you know about that introductory evening. <coughs> and some other developments, um, we've been chatting about this for a while, is a, a website, Faith at Work website. We're quite excited about that. We've been talking about it for a while. Um, But we're finally almost there. It's actually ended up being a bigger project than what we thought. One of the main objectives of the website is to be a listing. So if we can quickly go to the slides of the website. So that's going to be the the interface. It's going to be nice and clean. Um, If you can look at the top there, you'll see that it's got their listing. So the primary objective is to be a directory. So what we're trying to do is actually link Christians in the workplace to other Christians. So, for example, if I want to find an electrician within my church, you'll be able to go onto the website and find that person. So if we just look at some of the other pages, um, that's kind of what it'll look like. So... um, if you, if you load your business onto the website, it's got a nice clean interface, there'll be pictures of your company, exactly what you do, and the kind of service you provide, there'll even be a rating system so people can see what kind of a service you're providing, um, and you'll even be able to find people in your area. So we're quite excited about that. We're going to be rolling it out for Olive Tree to start off with, so there'll probably be a test phase starting in about a week, and there afterwards we'll be looking to open up to other churches where you can actually literally find people church by church if you want. So we're quite excited about that. OK, and then going back to the initial um, page in terms of the initiatives that we're doing. So let's go back once. If we can go back a couple of slides, just to the overview. Um, and then we've got a, so we've mentioned the website a listing and there's a financial planning course so obviously you know one of the objectives or visions of the ministry is to reduce unemployment so we've got a financial planning course so if anyone wants to attend that, that'll be that's already going at the moment and we'll have another one starting the next quarter. We're also rolling out a mentorship program which we think is really important. I think I mentioned this the last time that I think if I'd had a mentor I could have in, in business, specifically in my industry I could have shaved off quite a few years in school fees that I paid. I think a lot of you can probably say the same. So we've got some exciting stuff happening. We're really passionate about making a difference, and it really is such a joy just to run this event. So thanks all for attending today. I'm really looking forward to our guest speakers, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I do.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Ash. Craig, I'm going to pull you up, and we're going to start with you, and, uh, and then Bonnie will come, and we'll, we'll continue. with her. give him a hand as he comes up here. Craig's had a terrifying week, so uh, it's he's, it's just good that he pitched up today. Well done, thank you. How's it doing, uh, uh, Craig? Is um, he's he's known for how much of an influencer he is in business. And come close just uh, come, let's yeah, cuddle. I sit on yeah, yeah, just let's. Yeah, we'll do. She was late, you know. <laughs> The there we go, oh there she is, give her a hand, we are so thrilled. <laughs> Bonnie, well done. How many cars did you have to drive over to get you?
2: I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, it's so lovely having you. Come to the middle, bounce them, you're better looking, we don't like them anyway. Uh, okay, uh, Craig, oh it's so lovely. Uh, Do you need to breathe or can I ask you a question? Oh, there we go, that's yours. So, uh, when I first met Bonnie, I I wondered which private school she went to. This was kind of what was going through my head, what was the background? And um, and then Bonnie started to tell me her story, which utterly blew me away. And so, I want to just ask you the question Speak to us about your upbringing, where you were born. And uh, because I kind of studied it so hard, I'm going to keep queuing you and asking you more because she's absolutely incredible. So just go for it.
2: Um, Good morning, everybody. San Bonani? I'm I'm really, really sorry. I hate someone who's late for time because I always think if you're late, that means you're not respecting my time. So there was a mix-up in my diary. Uh, It said 8 o'clock, so I was like, I'm going to get there 10 to, I was driving like a real Schumacher. So I'm really sorry that I'm late. So my name is Boni, which is a short version of Bonisiwe, which means a visionary in English. So I was born in a little township uh, in Pietermaritzburg called um, Imbali Township, which is 15 minutes away from town. Um, I'm a, a last born from a family of five girls. So my dad tried five times, <laughs> 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 five times, and um, I, it still it was me. So and growing up, really, I was like a little tomboy because. Uh, He owned uh, an amateur soccer team in Peter and he used to take me with to the soccer stadium. I love soccer. I love soccer. I actually play soccer. When I worked for Unilever, I formed a ladies' club at Unilever for soccer. So I'm very passionate about soccer. I never went to any English schools, so at my lower primary, I studied in a school called Funuluazi. In high primary, I went to a school called Zane. And then at high school, I went to a school called uh, Zulu High School. So the only time I was taught in English as a medium of communication is when I was at university. And I remember my first year, I I used to come home and say, Dad, I didn't hear a word. (laughs) (laughs) But now when I look back, you know, it's like it never was there. Like, you know, if you deliberate and you are driven and if you really want something, you get it. So yeah, that's a little bit about myself. We lost our mom when I was only two years old and my dad never got married again. So he brought us up, five girls with this one man. And, uh, and I think he did a great job.
0: Speak to us, because he had an ethos around education. Mm. Talk to us about that, and then talk to us how you actually got into university.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so my father, used to. we grew up very poor in a four-roomed house uh, in Peter uh, I actually love showing the picture because people just don't, be, even my own kids uh, don't believe that that's where I grew up. But we grew up in a, um, a four-roomed house in, 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 in Bali Township. And uh, my dad, one thing, uh, which is really one thing I still remember him for today, he's late as well now. So he used to say to us, if you really want to make a meaningful uh, difference in your lives, girls, you better go to school. And it's fascinating because uh, out of all of us, the five of us, two, my eldest two sisters never went to school very much. So they got pregnant, like a typical township girl, you know. So, And my father used to call us and say, if you really want to make a meaningful difference, um, the decisions you make about education today, I still remember the words, the decisions you make about education today must be the decisions you are happy to live with tomorrow. And you know when he says that, we, we used to, I used to think today is today, <laughs> tomorrow is tomorrow. If I bank school today, I'll be happy tomorrow because I bank school. Uh, but now that I'm a big girl, now I actually realize how visionary and how intelligent the man was. So And I look back with such a sense of pride, because honestly, if I go back to the township where I grew up and I see the people that I grew up with and the neighbors and everybody, I think the difference, the only difference between myself and them, is the fact that I was driven to really go to school and make a meaningful difference um, uh, in my life. So, and so when I passed my trick, he told me he didn't have money to take me to further my studies to university or anywhere else. So, and and I was very clear, because in a township, those duckies who are here would know. (laughs) (laughs) That every successful family in in a township, it's either a mom is a teacher or a a dad is a teacher, or a mom is a nurse or a dad is a It was nursing and teaching. And, um, you know, again, like, if you go to schools, like the schools I went to, there's no proper guidance in terms of what career opportunities are there. So I knew I didn't want to be a teacher or a nurse. I didn't know what I want to do, but so, and and all parents who didn't have money like my dad would say, go for nursing, because in nursing, you didn't have to pay for tuition, and I think you got paid whilst you were studying. So my father was really driving for me to be a nurse, and I was very clear, I was scared of the blood, I was scared of dead people, I was scared, (laughs) I was like, just nursing and myself were parallels. So, and then my dad didn't know what to do with this little girl, because I was like, I'm not going to do it. And then my aunt, who's my, uh, who was my dad's sister, uh, was a cleaner at university, uh, a high learning institution, I don't know if I can mention by name, a high learning institution in Peter Maritzburg. So she was a cleaner there. And then I told Andy, I said, you know what, I actually wanna to go to university. I actually, I don't know if I can get in. I've been applying, because I had applied for bursaries and everything, because I knew for sure that my dad did not have money. And my aunt, can you imagine a cleaner? And like, she was like, how are you gonna get here? I can't even afford I was like, auntie, Just find me a dean, a senior person. Can you sort me with an appointment? Then I can speak for myself. Because also I had done very well in metric. um, And so auntie organized a dean for me to meet. And I really take my hat off for that man who really believed in me. Got there. I told him, I showed him uh, my results. I said, and you know, my aunt doesn't have money. Also, my dad doesn't have money. But please can give me an opportunity. And this guy looked at my statement of results. And he was like, for this... I'll give you an opportunity. But listen, you have one chance and only one chance to make it. Um, He said, do you know what we're going to do? I didn't know. And then he said, based on your results, we'll put you on the commerce. So I did Bcom Marketing. I studied. First year, like I'm telling you, it was like drama because it was language. It was just the environment. Everything was completely different. But God being God that he is. I managed my first year. I passed with Flying Colors. Second year, third year, fourth year and then I passed. Can I tell them how the I found Christmas my first story. job as well? The first job. So when I'm my, go yeah, come on, <laughs> <laughs> sit next to me. So when I'm done, I'm not gonna say anything. So I remember when we did our last year, our final years, we got, um, again, I knew I'd passed because really for me, there was just no second chance. There was no way of not making it. So uh, in Peter Meyersberg, there's a little com- um, community newspaper, which is called Echo. They, lo- they were looking for, salespeople to 25 salespeople to come and sell something we didn't know. Got there in the morning, like all of us, and we were taken one side, one side, one side. Then I was one of the 25. Then we were given Christmas trees, big and small Christmas trees, uh, to sell in Peter Maritzburg. They were commercial and domestic. So I took my lot, everybody took theirs, off we went down the streets in Peter Maritzburg. La- I didn't sell not even a single tree, so I think I'm a hopeless salesperson. <laughs> uh, my last stop was at Upsum. Again, for me, I always say, you know, when God, sometimes opportunities present themselves uh, in overalls, and it's a matter of just scratching a little bit to really get into the opportunity. So i have go to ABSA. Got this guy, I was like, she's so small. I was tiny, now I'm big. <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, and this guy says to me, he was selling so many trees. What are you, where? Where are you getting these trees from? I'm like, no, I work for Mr. Govender. I think it was Mr. Coventer or Moody or fellow. And
0: then
2: he says, you know what? Go back to Mr. Pile." He He couldn't sell any of the trees. And then, oh, and he says to me, do you have metric? matric? I was like, I have a degree, not a matric. I have a degree. And he said, for real? I was like, yes. He says, go back to Mr. Pillay, give back the trees, and come back, give me your CV. I went back to Mr. Pillay. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I couldn't sell not even a single tree. Here are your 10 trees. I went back home, got my CV, and Mr. Charles believed in me. And the rest is history. So, honestly... I think God is just amazing. Oh, just one last bit. Uh, And, uh, you know, when my my father died when I was doing my fourth year. So I thought the world was going to fall apart. I thought it was going to collapse. But at the centre of it all, I think um, God is just amazing. That's why I'm here today. So thank you.
0: Oh, (laughs) oh, yeah. (laughs) So uh, Craig and I... We've, we've got a bit of history, so we, uh, there'll be a lot of banter here. But uh, when I first met Craig, um, I met him through a guy by the name of Peter Watt, who spent a lot of time in Chesterville, um, actually spent a year in Chesterville. And Craig and, and Pete go back, and it, that, your, I'd love you to tell a little bit of your story around engaging in poor black communities, pre-apartheid, coming to an end, and just what that's done in you and for you.
3: Um, yeah, let me work out how to, how to sort of position this. But I think, um, you know, I think one of the things is we see there's, there's obviously a massive um, disconnect in our country as a result of legislation that forced us apart for years and years. And um, I'll, I'll maybe start at the end and then go back to the beginning. Um, I think what, what the journey that I had and the exposure that I had to the other world that existed in South Africa and has existed in South Africa for a long time was not that of a poor, impoverished community, but of an unbelievably rich um, sense of community. Um, and you know, I think the reality is we live in a world where you know, we, we bring different strength sets to our nation. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing about uh, black South Africans that went through and like what can only be described as the most uh, crazy and most, um, I'd say, evil process of actually just taking away identity, of uh, disempowering people. Um, just to see and go into a space where you realised there, there's such these diamonds there that are just... Um, You know maybe as you said uh, sometimes an opportunity is dressed in an overall Mm. you know sometimes you just don't know and it's and i think for me what it what it gave me the opportunity is to understand that as a nation we we haven't even started harnessing the full potential of our of our of our nation we've got so many people that are that are still disempowered because of the history and it's going to take time to work through that but it's also an incredible opportunity to start unlocking those people and i think this is a great uh, example of uh, of the kind of people that are that are still coming through the townships. There's still there's still that young girl that uh, that is in matric who is going through the same the same battle. Um, yeah. So look, I think for me the, the story was more one of uh, through our church actually we had exposure to the to kind of what was really going on in South Africa in the in the 1980s, which uh, meant that a sort of young uh, university students uh, we got exposure to a lot of the international media that was getting stopped in South Africa it was stuff that was smuggled in and it made us understand that we actually weren't getting the whole picture and it then forced us to as Christians to take responsibility and to to actually we couldn't just turn a blind eye to what was going on and we started engaging uh, really at a friendship level you know and uh, you know that's been for me the biggest story is that, you know, I think the challenge when you've got people that are poor, you can come t- into that space and you can see them as a project. Meanwhile, they're not a project, they've actually got more resilience than you'll ever understand because they've come through such a, a difficult uh, journey. And it's really, it's a privilege to work alongside them. And interestingly, my business partner uh, at Mbeo Capital Partners, it's a business we formed uh, 15 years ago, is a guy by the name of Trina Zondi. And um, he actually grew up in Mbali Township as well. So I don't know, I think the water in Mbali Township must have had something special. With <laughs> uh, but yeah. The
2: meaning of Imbal is flower.
3: Flower, yes, yeah. My daughter's name's actually Mbali. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, that's a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, it was a privilege for me to be at exposure when I did at that point in time, and I think it was a prophetic... Um, opportunity for me, I think it's positioned me in South Africa for such a time as this. Um, And I think, you know, the opportunity, I mean, I think Terry Rosenberg's hiding somewhere, probably in a back corner somewhere hiding. Um, But he actually spoke a couple of times at the church that I was at around, as business people, how do we engage? And um, I'm actually in business with him now. And it's been an amazing story of like, I remember sitting as a 13 year old and watching and going, I wanna do that. I wanna actually have an impact on my community and I wanna do something different, you know? So the reality is for all of us sitting in different spaces and time and for young people uh, coming through as well. Um, you know, it's, there's a, an opportunity just to listen and to hear and to find something that you actually wanna get your teeth into and then chase it down like, like there's no tomorrow.
0: Craig, what I've loved about um, listening to you in business is the number of black investors, business people that you're well connected with on a friendship level. You've been building that up for years, I presume. Yeah, probably about 30 years. So I just, I feel like if we, if we could shift the, the thinking on who we're doing business with, I've got a feeling we will start to break some of the, the trust issues that are there. But Craig, um, I want to take it to the next step. So he'll he he he'll claim that this isn't the case, but Craig probably leads the largest private investment company in South Africa at the moment. Um, so a small company. And uh, <laughs> Craig, you get to see the investment opportunities in South Africa. Tell us where people should be thinking to invest where there's great opportunity. Just kind of list us three or four things that you think are, man, I'd be putting my energy there.
3: Um, Yeah, firstly i I've got to start by disagreeing with Ross on, I don't think we're the biggest uh, investment company yet. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, look, I think, um, you know, there are so many opportunities in South Africa. Um, It does require a huge amount of courage uh almost every area that you're going to invest in it's not for sissies and um but i mean if 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 i'll just look at the areas i mean we fundamentally in our business believe that business is there to meet the needs of people and if you can meet the needs of uh, a community at the right price point then you've got a business that you can that you can run so the advantage that we have in south africa is we've got a lot of need Uh, The challenge we've got is we don't always have a lot of cash that's going to pay for those services, which uh, is again a great opportunity to be very innovative. And um, so I think digital is a massive opportunity to basically reinvent the way we do things at many, many levels, whether it's education, healthcare, um, you know, everything, property, whatever we engage with, I think we have to be looking at digital um, type solutions. Um, and mainly because they enable um, the delivery of a service at a very low uh, cost point. Um, and the advantage we've got as a country is that we've got a lot of people, and we've got a lot of people that would really love to have some of the services that the more wealthy people enjoy at the moment. So if we can create uh, you know, innovative ideas that actually meet those needs. We've also got a lot of um, backlog from the, the, because of the inequality in South Africa. So I think one of the, the opportunities in South Africa is we've got a, a structural um, uh, opportunity. So what happens is for a lifetime, for hundreds of years, you keep 90% of the people in a space where they actually, they can't buy anything, they, they can't be empowered. You've now, we've now broken that at a political level, We now need to help that happen at an economic level. And as those people become more and more active, and I mean, there is quite a big shift, and I mean, um, Bonnie will have a better view of of, of what the demographics looking like in the middle class and that sort of thing. But there's a massive, massive opportunity that's coming at us the whole time. And I think the key is that you actually have to invest. Uh, in order to to run a business and to take hold of an opportunity so you know the one thing that we talk about a lot in our space is about building communities of courage and the reason being is because it's is going and doing these things on your own is not easy um, it's it's often scary it's often um, you know you have days where you, you know it's a really tough day I mean I didn't have a great week this week uh, my mom was quite ill and I had to attend to her but when you're in a community when you've got a business partners that carry you, it's a different conversation. You're not doing it alone. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges uh, that we as South Africans have to overcome is to build trusted collaborative networks. And to do that cross-culturally is going to be the most powerful and the biggest opportunity that I think exists.
0: I'm going to come back to you, Craig. You started with digital. We're going to add a couple more. you you owned that first that first space, hey? you came straight in and owned it. Um, I want to ask you, you said something profound to me the other day, you said the East Coast radio listenership is changing, mm. and um, you've got the research to show that, speak to us about that and what it actually means for Dubs. Sure.
2: Um, yeah, I love my job, I actually think I have the best job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's no one day similar to another day, so um, in KZN, you would know this from a census point of view, that in South Africa, KZN is the second biggest province, right? And then if you look at the population composition in KZN, 85% of the people in KZN are black people. And then uh, I think about 12 is Indian, and then white is about 7, and then colored is 2 or 1, and it's shrinking, Right? So, as a business, when East Coast Radio was founded, East Coast Radio used to be Radio Port Natal pre-1994. Then it was privatized in 1996, and it was rebranded as East Coast Radio. Uh, so, when you look, the brand is turning 23 years. We're going to be 23 years this year. And if you look at the demographics of our listenership from when the brand started to, to, to where we are today, it has shifted completely. And it's very much in line with the... the composition of the population in KZN. Our biggest listenership is an Indian sitting at about 49% followed by white, then black, then colored. However, the population of white people in KZN is declining. It's a fact, it's declining. It's either they are immigrating or they go to Cape Town or they go, so for us as a regional radio station, and, but also one of the reasons why I chose to work for East Coast Radio, it's the whole fact that East Coast Radio is the only diverse radio station in KZN. And diversity speaks to my being, to, to the point that Craig makes that, you know, together we can make South Africa better and bigger and, 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 So even if you come and see my executive team, we are all, we all come from different walks of life and together we are a melting pot that makes East Coast Radio what it is today. Um, So, what we are seeing is that the the black market is growing for us, uh, which is good, because then... uh, So, basically what you find is, Iskos Radio awareness as a brand, from a white and an Indian population point of view, everybody in KZN who's white or Indian, they are aware of the brand, and 100% of them also consume the brand. When you come to the black market, 85% of the black people in KZN are aware of the brand, uh, but only 26% consume the brand. So for us to grow in terms of audience, that's the only space we can grow, which is why you'll see some of the changes that we make is to make sure that we retain our core, which is our bread and butter, whilst we are evolving and growing the market that is growing in KZN. If you look at stats again, I mean, the middle class, LSM 6 to 8, it's now called SEM. <laughs> so um, it's growing year on year on year. Take myself. I mean, when I was growing up, I was probably LSM 1 to 4, and today, probably, I sit between six and eight. So, and that market is growing gradually, every day, every year, in South Africa, and in KZN in particular. So, I, th-
0: I think it's a brilliant point, because I think people, are, they believe somewhere in their heads that, that, mo- that six to eight's growing, but in how they're doing business, I don't think they're thinking about six to eight growing the whole time. There's opportunity that there so wasn't yesterday. Okay, Craig. I'm gonna come back to you. You started with digital, and I want you to just keep adding to that. Next few things that people are going to change their careers to move into.
3: Yeah. Look, I mean, I think uh, you know, education is going to be reinvented over the next uh, the next ten years. Um, the speed of knowledge transfer and the kind of skill sets that you need to acquire knowledge, use it, different has changed fundamentally. I mean, even good schools out there, their models are, are outdated. Uh, even universities are gonna be struggling. Um, you know, you kind of know that you're going into courses now, that you're learning things that actually don't, you probably will never ever use when you leave the university um, campus. Um, so that's, you know, the, 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 there's a massive opportunity. I always look for, like, if you wanna break in and grow something, you gotta look for disruption. And um, you know the, the demise of apartheid was the greatest you know disruptor that we could ever have economically. I think the reality is we have to just connect um, our, the skills and the opportunities together. And, and again, that's why I keep going back to diversity and collaboration. Like if we do it together, um, you know it'll work. If we don't, it's I don't, it's not going to work for anyone. I don't think. Um, in terms of other opportunities, I mean, there's a backlog in housing. There's, there's opportunities there. I think in really being innovative around um, housing solutions that aren't that are that are that are, are, are great because it's now you're talking into this emerging uh, middle class that's growing, you know, by the thousands and you know potentially the millions over the next uh, over the next uh, ten years. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of infrastructure as well. Um, often, to to create value, you've got to put in strategic infrastructure. Um, uh, water, for example, is uh, I think a, a big area. We know we've been on the edge of the straits. We've we've got challenges there. And again, it's to almost any of these areas. It's not just to take it on with conventional thinking. Take it on with innovation. Um, you know, I'm a believer, and I just believe that God's given us the ability to think very, very creatively. I don't believe we use even a fraction of our of our creativity in, 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 in what we do. And most of the time it's actually because of fear. We paralyzed by fear. Um, and again, that's why I say let's collaborate. Let's like help each other not to be afraid. Let's not speak speak negatively into spaces the whole time because that creates fear and it actually paralyzes our thinking faculties and our and our creativity. Um, look, we're doing, uh, and I can only talk to what we're looking at. I mean, we've done, uh, do, you know, we're doing a, the Amshlanga Arch development on the uh, up in Amschlange. I mean, we believe that there's opportunities for South Africa to become a world-class destination and tourism uh, to attract. Um, you know, it's it's the next frontier really for for business growth globally. If you look at Europe, I mean, their percentage growth levels are like nowhere. Um, you know, a lot of the countries are getting very protectionist in terms of trying to, you know, control uh, what gets created in their, in their particular countries. Um, we, we invest in manufacturing businesses, but again, we, we have to take it with a different strategy. We've had to say we've got to be able to build things that actually suit Africa and meet the needs of Africa. As a, So sometimes your product ranges and that have to shift. Um, and a lot of people are sitting in businesses that they think are dead, but they're not. They just have to be re reimagined.
0: Can you give an example of that?
3: Um, okay, I'll, I'll give a... I mean, we've got a water business, um, and what we've looked at, and again, we spent time looking at the water industry across Africa, and actually not just Africa, wherever there are water challenges, and there's probably 100 countries globally that really have massive water problems, and the common problem is they're also pretty poor. And they've also got very, very difficult terrain to actually get water solutions to them. And water and sanitation are linked together. So it's you know part of the reason why you need to get good drinking water and to manage uh, your sanitation side of it is because of disease. And that's having a big impact negatively on a lot of the economies out there. And we've just basically, we're building solutions that are completely portable. We can build them here. We can send them up into the most remote places. The tanks can be carried in, in boxes. They can be installed with three people. Um, and you could build, a, you know, effectively a 3 million liter uh, tank that would last for, you know, 60 years. Now, that's a solution that's and, – and that could be built in Durban or it could be built in the DRC. So, and again, when we're looking at treatment plants, we're looking at containerized and, and a whole a whole lot of other – um, sort of aspects to that so you know it's just about just thinking a little bit differently um, and then leveraging the skill sets that we do have close to us uh, and again the opportunities in that space is it creates uh, employment which you know I was glad to see from the your guys business strategy uh, we need to be creating employment and I think that that is uh, really important well, can I, I,
0: love, yeah,
2: can can I a point please um, about digital because I think everybody digital is like a buzzword for every business And I think if you are in business today, everybody's under pressure. With our economy in South Africa being under so much pressure, and if you hear where the GDP is being focused now, everybody gets to be worried. And everybody um, is under pressure and saying, what other revenue streams are you going to drive to really bring growth to the business? So digital is also one of our uh, key focuses, East Coast Radio. So East Coast Radio in South Africa is the biggest digital radio station. Online, we have a a huge uh, footprint. So what we do, I want to share this as an example. So last year, we started an online shopping where people can actually exhibit on the East Coast Radio uh, website online. Like, uh, exhibit your business and then we drive the footfall from on air. So people will tell people on air to go online. And it was amazing to see the integration between on air and online. So you'd find that Darren Moore will say something about let's say it's a McDonald's promotion that they're having online. So he'll say, go have a look. It's on at this price, da-da-da. And you'll see, like, you'll see a huge peak and you can actually do a direct correlation from when the time he said something on air versus when you see the upswing of the footfall into our website. So I think you are spot on there. I think digital is as the future.
0: What, what I loved, I loved that point, I'll come back to it now, but what I loved about Craig's point was We've, we've got Nklanta Kambule, our last speaker. Where, where are you? Just, there he is at the back. Of course he's at the back. He's being humble. So that man lead, uh, runs a school in uh where basically he is training kids to be curious and then to use their curiosity to create wonder that they can then use to innovate. When you're trying to cut back, hold back, buckle down, make a plan, you, you're not innovating anything, and uh, I just want to applaud him and give him a hand for the, the massive difference he's making in kids' minds in Umlazi. So just give him a hand. <laughs> Bonnie, I have loved the, almost the narrative that's changed since you've taken over East Coast Radio. Some of the things like Toy Story, I can tell from the way your DJs speak, um, the, the, the sense of gratitude that seems to come across, and I know that's all because of your leadership. Speak to us a little bit about what you're intentionally doing, some of your initiatives, right. because I think they are changing Durban, and I just want to applaud you for them.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, I think we all know this, that media plays a very important role in positioning either our province or our country. And what you find in South Africa for the longest of time is that media has been very negative because we just can't be negative. (laughs) So honestly, when I walked in, I was like, South Africa is for all of us to work it and make it what we want it to be. So it can't be. I remember because I was appointed at East Coast Radio three months before I started. And I used to listen attentively every day. And I'll be so depressed because every time there'll be something negative and negative and negativity. So when I got there, I was like, we have to change the tune. And the team, I think, have kind of rallied the track very well. So honestly, for me, I'm like, media, we have a role to play. I like the point you make about tourism, because tourism, really, we can all use tourism to position South Africa and position Guadal-Natal. My previous job before joining East Coast Radio was with the Provincial Tourism Authority. So, yeah, so every day the team knows that we have a role to play in really positioning KZN as a radio station, as a, as a media that has such a huge mouthpiece in this province. So we have done things like You would know KZN has the highest unemployment uh, in South Africa. So we have a 30-second CV where we charge no one. You know how much we we charge for a 30-second ad? A lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) We ask KZN to send us your resume. Make it 30-second like an advert and we will find you a job. We started this project when I started. It was on my second year. And it was not last year. Year before, last in February. So, yeah. And it's been going from then. Every it's it's a thirty second for a week. So we we you fly we fly your ad from Monday to Friday, and we have had to date hundred percent hit rates. So everybody we've had on air.
0: You know, I just want to I want to tell you the the effect that that has. So I listened to one of those ads, and um, I, I networked lots of people. Straight after that ad, I went. I need to organize some people some jobs. And it just it clicked into gear, and it just it has that kind of effect. What you're doing is phenomenal.
2: Thank you. I promise you, it's 100% hit rate. And every time, like when we get to Thursday, Darren will have to find out if the person has found the job. If not, he will like challenge everybody to say, mm-hmm. I have this person. And we will replay the ad and replay the ad. And honestly, we've been so fortunate that people who listen to us really, they make KZN matters there as much as we do as a radio station. So that's one And then also Toy Story. Toy Story's been running for the past 14 years. We do Toy Story every year in November, and we mobilise KZN to get involved. So for the first time last year, so what we used to do, we will collect money, and then we will identify um, the outskirts, rural, uh, underprivileged kids in KZN, and then during Christmas time. Because, you know, when they're not at school, they don't get the, um, the food, what is it called? they get food during the school days. So when they are on holidays, they don't get it. So we used to go to those areas and then feed them until they go to school. But being the person that I am, I'm all about sustainability. I'm like, it's all good and well, but food, you get hungry tomorrow again. So for the first time last year, we identified four schools in KZN which didn't have toilets, didn't have libraries. Some of them were studying under the tree. So we're building classes. It's four schools. We're building one school, we're building a class, um, two classes, and another school, we're building a set of toilets for girls and boys, and another school, we're building a library. And for me, those things, even generation and generation and generation will get to experience that, unlike food. As that, that's what I stand for.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Speak to us about the little Zulu lessons. <laughs> uh,
2: my favorite, I said this to you the other day we met. Uh, I was like, most of you would remember this quote by Mandela. When Mandela says, I said... If you speak to a person in a foreign language, you speak to their head. If you speak to a person in their mother tongue, you speak to their heart. So I said to my team, I challenge you. We are saying we want to acquire this emerging market. What can we do and do differently? and so we started the, the Zulu, it's called Easy, Easy Zulu. Easy Zulu, uh, Easy Zulu yeah, <laughs> instead of "Isi Zulu. And honestly, I just think if you can say hello in, to someone in their mother tongue, if you say Bona to me, you've done the job, that's it, then we can converse in English. Um, but also, I just think it creates such social cohesion. Like, you know, if you just get to know the person, the next person a little bit better than just at a, f- 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 Face view, So that's the whole point really behind that is that we're trying to drive social cohesion and everybody to understand the next person. And I mean, like I'm saying, 85% of the population in KZN is Zulu speaking people. So we're educating our listeners as much as we are educating ourselves. And what's funny is Kerry, who is the co-host to Darren, uh, she has an honors in Zulu. Yeah. So she understands Zulu very well. And then there's current, and I mean, there's sky, and then Darren knows absolutely knows Zulu. <laughs> so it is just fascinating. But also, honestly, I think it's just driving that social cohesion and really to the point that if you speak to someone in their mother tongue, you really speak to their hearts. And we want to get to the hearts of the people in KZN.
0: So I, I just want to tell you that there is a, a wave of Christians creating good news stories. Um, you, you will see it. Tom Filery is filming this currently. Uh, they're doing that f- probably for free, knowing David. And uh, they keep telling good news stories. So if you're in business, please will you support them. If you need to get an ad out, please will you go to them because what you pay them generally goes to fund something else of a good news story that goes out somewhere else. But there is a wave of it. Advertise. On East Coast Radio, especially, did you hear those stats? <laughs> anyway, um, Craig, I know you got to get going very quickly, so I want to I want to end with with this last question. Talk to us about the arches, what you're trying to achieve there, and then just take that into how how we're going to need to think in business to get us over the hill.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, for those who aren't aware, I mean, Schlonger Arch is a a mixed-use development, 45,000 square meter mixed-use development. It's, um, you know, it's 33 stories. It's on the, it's kind of uh, just near the shark's board there. We're building it on the corner. You'll see it if you're going down uh, Lighthouse Road. Um, So it was quite an ambitious project for us as a business. It kind of came and it just looked like it was the right you know, it, it had a whole lot of the right things that we were looking for, and really what we're trying to use that um, piece of infrastructure to do is actually a number of things. One, we wanted to, to remind Durban that we could do great things, and that we could, um, we could do things differently and creatively, and that we could think out of the box, and that we could, you know, we could really, uh, you know, stretch ourselves for excellence. So that's a big part of what we're trying to do. Is something that we're measuring ourselves on the excellence at absolutely every level. Uh, we want entrepreneurship uh, to be supported in it and uh, job creation. Uh, obviously, there's quite a lot of that when you're building. The, I think there's one and a half thousand people working on sites at the moment and have been for for nearly a year now or two, maybe two years, and we've got another year to go. Um, what we are wanting to do, though, is we've we've created it as a... We want it to be an art and a culture sp- uh, space, uh, all aspects of it, so not... So almost like a living gallery, if you want to call it that. So you also promote uh, South African artists and um, and just creates a connection between South African artists and the global platform. So we see it as a global destination. We want it to be when foreigners are looking to come to South Africa and certainly to Durban that they would say this is a place we want to go to. Um, it's got a Hilton hotel, a four-star Hilton hotel, is part of the, the precinct development. Uh, there's 230 um, apartments uh, included as well, but then in the food spaces, what we found is that the the restaurant industry has taken a real hammering during the, you know, during these tough uh, financial years, and a lot of restauranteurs that we spoke to in Durban, because we didn't want to go for, for the traditional brand, you know, your uh, your uh, franchise type brands, and that we wanted to actually create a space where we could do things a little bit differently and uh, when we are talking to a lot of the restauranteurs we realize they they're hurting they financially have been through a very tough time um and so we build, we're building out some concepts that enable us to basically bring in really really good food guys um, and make it easy for them to actually low capital entry uh, very very high standard we're using renzo from old town italy's been doing our whole precinct design and also helping us to understand how, how to make, help the restauranteurs not compete with each other. So, you know, you, you don't want like eight steakhouses in a row and then they just fight each other to the, to the, to the death, you know? Um, so we're trying to create a space where there, there's collaboration and cohesion even in those spaces. Um, which has been amazing and it's, it's been challenging at times because we keep having to look out of the box and there's no, no road map really ahead of us. Uh, fortunately, Renzo is actually being—you con- you, know—he's helping actually international players at the moment to build some of these concepts. So it's been amazing because he really is carrying like a cutting-edge global uh, look and feel around uh, restaurants and how they actually operate. Um, and then, yeah. So and then I, I think you know it's a very prestigious building and it's got excellence in it, which we also don't want that to mean exclusivity. We want to actually create create a space where. The, it kind of feeds into this broader community that we live in, uh, where the community around it don't see it as a, as a sort of a, a monument to elitism, but they actually see it as, as as a as a contributor to the to the economy. Um, uh, Terry Rosenberg, uh, who's one of my partners, he um, he was involved in in seed funding the the uh, RCC, which is now 21 years old. I think last year it was 21 years old, and it's it's worth in 40 billion rand, into uh, this, the Durban economy. I love it. So, you know, our view is that the strategic infrastructure that's getting built needs to be built uh, as a gift that keeps giving.
0: Yeah. Isn't that awesome, man? Eh? <clears> Bonnie, <throat> in in about forty-five seconds, talk to us about the role of mentors in your life because you just dropped it in, and I realised they play a profound part of your life. Just speak to us quickly about that.
2: Absolutely, I'll be 30 seconds. (laughs) I think, um, like, growing up with no parents, for me, there was just, it was probably by default, and I learned the significance of it as I was getting older. So I've always had people who mentor me spiritually, people who mentor, because when I was a mom for the first time, I didn't know who to ask, how to deal with being a mom. So I have someone who mentors me uh, on that front, but also I have professionals who mentors me. Because when I was given an opportunity to lead such a biggest commercial radio station in South Africa, I was like, for the first time. So I have um, 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 uh, my ex-CEO, who used to be my CEO when I worked for Unilever, who mentors me, Kim. I hope Kim is not here. (laughs) But yeah, so I have quite a few. And I think, really, you can only learn from the people who have worked the road. So I really, really believe in mentorship. I encourage my team to do the same. And um, like I'm saying, I have mentors in different facets of my life. And I think it really, really, it's meaningful. And what you need, I always say this, you don't need to find people like you. You need to find people who you aspire to be like them and people really who can motivate you to be the best version of yourself. So I believe in mentorship.
0: Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap up with this, this one thing. I want you to speak to us about what, how we need to think the resilience that's going to be required, etc., in this next season to, to thrive. I'm going to start with you, Craig, and then we're going to send you on your way. And just for us to get over the hill, speak to us.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you've got to start with belief. Eh? It's, you've got to believe that it's possible. And um, it is possible. It's not easy. <laughs> it is po- It is possible. And uh, the opportunities that exist, uh, not just to make money and survive and, you know, do the things that we want to do, but to really change people's lives. It's just, I mean, that's what drives me, to be honest. The money kind of, like, follows it, like, somewhere behind. You know, you know sometimes you hope it's going to arrive. But, um, you know, just watching what happens when you actually unlock people, it's just, I mean, it's the it's most incredible gift, you know. So I think, I think if you can... Develop that mindset of like you're not going to survive on your own. You're gonna you are going to fail on your own. So how am I going to work together? I, I agree 100%. Look for who who who's not like you, um, and that could be a personality. It could be a skill. It could be your 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 racial um, you know uh, racial differences. It could be different ways of thinking. And actually, to come into spaces with a bit of humility. That you've got, a, that other people have got a huge amount to contribute to you, but also a sense of deep confidence that you've been given some gifts and and something to bring to the to the table. So, to me, I talk, I mean, the arch for us would never, ever have happened if that opportunity was presented to any one of us individually, we would not have done it. It was only possible through the collaboration. One person would have said, I don't have the money, another person, I don't have the time, another person, I don't have the expertise, another person, I don't have the confidence, whatever it is, we, 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 we as a team, we, we, we bring bringing those skills together, not as individuals.
2: Uh, So can I go in as well? Uh, um, I think for me, um, I think you would know this, the positioning of South Africa. It goes, South Africa is alive with possibilities. And it's entirely up to each and every one of us to realise those uh, opportunities and uh, possibilities. That's one. And then secondly, I think if we can all, like, trust one another, like Craig. I really like this guy. I met him for the first time last week. And, you know, when someone just... Because sometimes people just judge people based on race. We shouldn't be like that as mm. South Africans. Mm. That belongs to a date and it must mm. go there. And I know sometimes we get reminded because of the things that happen around us. And we get to judge each other just because of the things around us. We must be bigger than that. We really must be bigger than that. I think, and we also need to be deliberate about it. Not talk about it and do nothing about it. We need to be deliberate, be... You have a drive, be driven to really change the status quo. And it's entirely up to all of us. And my last big one is respect. My father used to, have, to say this to us, you must respect yourself because then the world will respect you back. So if we can all do that amongst each other and really see the best in each and every one of us, South Africa will be a better place. And that's me.
0: Thank you, give them a hand. They're going to be here for a very short time. You are allowed to swamp them, but if you go over a minute, we pull something in the floor. You just go straight under. We leave you there. Um, But uh, this is uh, what you don't know about this room is that in this room are some of the most influential people in Durban. I I have invited a lot of my heroes. They're sitting around here. And uh, if you don't walk across the room, you're going to miss out on meeting some Pretty spectacular people um, who are doing some significant things and may have a lot of money for your business. Uh, so that's that's the one thing I want to encourage you to network. Um, also, we are Durban, who who basically have over 200 volunteers supporting, putting specialists and professionals into NGOs throughout the city, doing an unbelievable job, need a little bit of financial support so that we can hire more staff so that we can get into more NGOs. So Linda, who's another one of my heroes, is at the back. And uh, if you kind of want to ask her a question or you feel like, hey, I could give out of our company a thousand rand a month into that space, it will help us. Exponentially put more people into NGOs to help with the poverty issues in our city, and we'd love you to get behind that. Otherwise, it's been phenomenal being with you. Please stick around, get to meet some people, and give them a last hand, and then join <laughs> us for food.